Welcome to What the Hell Happened. I am your host, Esther, and with me today is the spirited Mr. Lockwood. <laughs> because it's Christmas. You're not spirited? No, I need to get spirited. Oh, we need to get spirits. Yeah, to get spirited with. Like whiskey spirits. Hmm. Any kind. Any kind. I'm not picky, any kind will do. <laughs> <laughs> but not like ghost spirits. I don't Anything like... but Jägermeister. Ugh. Ugh. Remember, people, that used to be a thing when we were bar age. Yes. And everyone had that Jägermeister machine. All it does is it makes Jaeger super cold because that's the only way it tastes good is when you can't taste it at all. Yeah, it's disgusting. I hate black licorice. You ever had a room temperature? No. Oh, it's it's a something. I've had to taste. I probably took one tiny little sip of it one time, and once I realized it was black Oof. licorice, I was like, "No, I'm out." <laughs> then they're Jaeger bombs. It's really funny. Like Jaegermeister is a company that has a product that no one wants, which I have to admire. This instead of just giving up, <laughs> <laughs> they just figured out all sorts of ways to con people into drinking it. Do a Jaeger bomb. Like they used to say that over like the bar intercom, like as an ad. Come on, it's time for a Jaeger bomb. And they would do that like every half hour. Oh my God. You remember that? No. Were people just drunk all day long? Well, it would be like, at, you know, after hours at the bar, yeah. the sports bar or whatever. They had like freaking commercials on the oh. radio and shit. And it's not my drink choice. I don't know if it was like a Muzak channel that bars listen to or what. Muzak channel. <laughs> I mean, that's a Christmas drink. Is it? I was I just going to ask, is. like, if you were going to have one good Christmas, let's say cocktail, not a beer, what would it be? It is Christmas drink, because one of my buddies called it Santa's blood. Ugh. <laughs> Nasty. My Christmas drink? Yeah. Hmm. Not beer, because I know you like beer. Hmm. A Christmas spirit, if you will. <laughs> well, I mean, I think scotch is good for any holiday. Yeah, or any just day. scotch on the rocks. <laughs> That's your Christmas nip. I don't know, a Christmas drink. Yeah, your Christmas Eve nip mm. of something delicious. Mine's definitely just spiked eggnog. I yeah. love eggnog. I know people who love it. I know people who hate it. I don't think anybody's ever really in the middle with eggnog. I made it for you once from scratch. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was all right. Yeah. Didn't ever do it again. It's good with whiskey, I know. Yeah. <laughs> People put different things in it, too. Yeah. Is it supposed to be whiskey or rum or what? I think it's supposed heard to be all. whiskey. I've heard rum. People do rum. Yeah. People, spiced rum. Listen, you can put rum in pretty much anything. Captain Morgan. Yeah. I actually don't like rum. No, no. I like rum. I don't like gin. Um, you know I don't like gin. The reason why I say I don't like gin is because when I drink it, I cry. If we're out... Or we're having a party. I think one of those fancy Christmas cinnamon something or other martinis. Just Ooh, one. Yeah. That'd yeah. be nice. Or like a peppermint martini. Peppermint. See, you're not a peppermint uh, fan, but I am. Yeah, it'd probably be all right. I'd, you, do, I'd do it for Christmas. If you throw me a cinnamon or a peppermint, I'm going to pick peppermint every time. But if we're in, I think a, just a hot toddy would be, you know, hot cozy hot toddy drink. Yeah. Followed by four more. Yeah. yeah, followed by a long winter's nap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I agree. Got to stay warm. It's yeah. It's not even cold outside Baby. right now. It's not cold outside. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say it in reality because it's just not even cold. 
It's mid-December, and yeah. we have it's had not, no it's snow. Warm. It's warm. We've had a little, a little um, snow. We had some crazy fog for like three days here in Ohio, where it looked like the movie The Fog. There, I think it was The Mist, too. There was two different ones. Oh, they were shit. basically the same. Yeah, something like that. Okay, so we did drink. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Yeah, I mean, for sure. It's got to be Die Hard. Obviously. <laughs> I made you a a uh, diehard T-shirt last year that I'm upset that you're not wearing right this second. <laughs> I didn't know this was a Christmas episode. <laughs> well, it is. You ambushed me. Well, that's the only way to get you into Christmas. It's like Santa falling out of the fireplace like two <laughs> days early. <laughs> you're just sitting in your living room. It's the- <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Santa. It's the only way I could get you to participate is to bamboozle you with it. And then Santa's like, well, I work for Amazon now, so I, we start a few days early. <laughs> well, at least he fell out of the chimney and didn't just get stuck in there and stay there for a week and die. What's that smell? It smells like moldy sugar cookies and yeah. mold wine. <laughs> it smells like sour milk. Oh, <laughs> poor Santa. We are all decorated for Christmas. We took a whole, what, two days to decorate. We're ready. We're ready. Are you ready? Are you ready for Christmas? We hope so. I, I really do want snow before Christmas. I think we'll get it. I'd rather have it before than after. Like, after Christmas, I just don't care about snow anymore. Do you have a story for me, or are we just going to keep talking? Today, I have some fun Christmas time goodies for you before we get to our story. The first thing I want to do is I want to tell you about some celebrities that were born on Christmas Day. Oh, Just boy. Just like baby Jesus. I love Jesus. celebrities. I know. They're your favorite. So interested in them. Yes. So these celebrities share a birthday with baby Jesus, I think. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> no. I don't think anyone really knows what day for sure, but... 25th is as good as I'm any. sure there's some good guesses sure so the first one I have is and you may not know these you probably don't because you're not a huge pop culture person though I do surprise you sometimes you do surprise me sometimes yes like Taylor Swift weird references <laughs> that you make up that, that are accurately yeah <laughs> appropriate super weird for my will Tayway. Tay-tay. Uh, it's weird to hear you say that so the first one I have is Humphrey Bogart he was born on December 25th in 1899. No, oh, wow. Yeah, and he passed away in 1957. Yeah. I, when I saw 1899, I was like, what? How about that? Yeah, it's a crazy one. Uh, how about we got Jimmy Buffett, born on Christmas Day? No? Okay, Good for him. you're rolling your eyes. Sissy Spacek, also a Christmas baby. Name one good movie she was in. Carrie. Um, that's like the first one she was in. <laughs> that's it. No, I've seen her in other good movies. I just can't think of them right now. She's been in a lot of stuff. She's been in so many things. We just watched a movie or like a TV show with her in it. Oh, wasn't she in that Michael Douglas movie? Would you care to elaborate? <laughs> uh, I want to say the movie where the affair took place, but that's like every Michael Douglas movie. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I know that she's been in a lot. Fatal I know Attraction. Uh, I don't know. Is I she have to look that? that up. No, that was Glenn Close. I knew it. I know there's a lot of things that I've seen Sissy Spacek in, but 
I can't. Wait a minute. Wasn't she in that? Um, she was in that like Stephen King, uh, spinoff of the Prison Town, oh. Shawshank Redemption. What was that show? Do you remember that? No, I Castle oh, Rock. Ca- yeah, yeah, she was like the mother in Castle Rock. I know you didn't like that. That was bad. I liked it. I she it was, was just in that show on Amazon about the space. I just said that. Oh, sorry, I was reading and not listening to you. <laughs> Favorite sissy SpaceX movie that I've seen. A long list of movies I don't care for. <laughs> so Carrie might be your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good. I think that's a good bet. There yeah, you, there you go. Here, you pick one out. <laughs> I'm sure that's not the whole deal, but it's pretty. Let's pretty see. long list. Um. Do I? Have I ever seen any of these? <laughs> Coal Miner's Daughter. I feel like I've seen that one, but I don't remember it. <laughs> oh, no. That was a good one. I mean, I right off the rip <clears throat> want to believe that she was great in the movie The Man with Two Brains. <laughs> She's a good actress. Oh, Blast from the Past. Didn't that have uh, Brendan Fraser in it or something? No, that that was Encino Man. <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> which was a good movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was a Polly Shore movie, so. I mean, I tried. That was the best I had. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got nothing out. No. Carrie it is. Carrie it is. <laughs> Holy shit. Carrie it is. All right, so the next one on our list is Annie Lennox, Christmas Baby. No. Don't know who that is. Yes, you do. Look it up. We don't have time for that. She's a singer. Okay, so anyway, the last one. Okay, she's a musician. Yes. Does so, she have AIDS? I don't. Just That's that a Wikipedia. Matter? Oh, no, she just did it for AIDS awareness. Oh. <laughs> uh, so the last and final one, your favorite, is going to be this one. This Christmas baby. He's very close, akin to Jesus. John? John. The Baptist? No. Justin Trudeau. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <clears throat> Fidel Castro's son? Yep. That one is somehow very relevant right now. Oh. So. Now that'll make a bad Christmas if you invite that guy over. Yeah. I wonder, what's your favorite Justin Trudeau movie? Uh, Trucker's Revenge or whatever. Trucker's Hell. Yeah. Yeah. Angry Truckers. Oh, I'm thinking of the other Trudeau. Angry Mother Truckers. Are you talking, you're talking about the Prime Minister of Canada, right? Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to know what your favorite movie of his was. I think he's a jerk. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, those are some Christmas babies. I hope you enjoyed that. You totally done. It's also racist. I hope that somebody else enjoyed that. Send us a Christmas wish. Say, you guys are... Thanks for that show, or don't ever do it again. Either way, that will be very. Or you can say that'd be very rewarding. Grow some fucking Christmas spirit. Yay, Christmas spirit! Yeah, me. I just it's growing out of my ears. (laughs) Yeah, gross. You should trim that. So uh, the next thing that I have for you is I want to talk about a few bad Santas. That's the best bad Santa for sure. Billy Bob was the best bad Santa. 
So in December of 2004, 49-year-old Elkin Clark was working as a mall Santa in Atlanta. He and 74-year-old Annie Nelson were selling chocolates when, according to Clark, he became enraged when the elderly Christian evangelist stole 29 boxes of Hershey's chocolates from him. Though police said no witnesses could support his claim. She was stealing my stuff, Clark said, of the incident. I asked 10 to 15 times not to touch my stuff. Apparently, Mr. Clark had had enough, and he severely beat the woman with a two-by-four board. Whoa. According to witnesses, Clark struck Nelson over the head and then hit her twice more while she was lying unconscious on the floor. One witness then tried to help the elderly woman, but Clark threatened her with a two-by-four. Nelson died of her injuries six weeks later. Oh, murder. Murder Santa. Santa murder. Clark was convicted of malice murder as well as simple assault. Where did he get a two by four from? He just have it in his pants. Wait, why or are you in the Yeah, where in the mall did you just pull a two by four out? I of? guess they're around, you know. Yeah. I suppose. I mean, if you ask me, that's a pretty bad Santa. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty bad one. Yeah. <laughs> Getting killed over a candy bar. Yeah. Sad. That is sad. That's like the worst way to go, getting killed over candy. That's called a trap. My question is, why didn't anyone jump in to try to save this old woman? Because <laughs> like, it ain't none of them business. Yeah, but that makes me sad. Like, if you see something like that happening, you should definitely. You're just going to get hit with a two by four. Well, yeah. I mean, the other girl tried to, but You know, she I could take a two by four to the head. Well, I, <laughs> you have taken a two by four to the head. Uh, I almost passed out. If I think about it, it makes the top of my head kind of ache a little bit. Does it tangle a little? Are you sure that's not just the Christmas spirit welling (laughs) up in your your brain? Welling out of (laughs) the fracture in my skull. Yeah, that's why it's coming out your ears. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the next bad Santa that we have is this one. When Wendy and Steve Kennett, we're going to go with that, took their three young children to see Santa at Notcutt's Garden Center in the UK in 2012, they had no idea what was about to unfold. When the siblings told the mall Santa that they had been good this year, he replied, well, there are bad people in the world and bad things happen, like what happened to those children in America. The Santa then went on to describe what sounded a lot like the tragedy at Sandy Hook, without actually naming it. <laughs> As if this wasn't bad enough, the man asked the two little girls to leave so that he could have a word with their brother. Once they did, he whispered in the little boy's ear that Santa wasn't real, and the little boy ran away in tears. (laughs) The Kennets were refunded their money, and this bad Santa was fired. Oh, well, justice was done. Justice was served. (laughs) I thought some bad Santas would be fun. What about the real bad Santa? The one that gives you coal. That's all you ever get is coal. Yeah, coal. Yeah, you're never good. I'm never cold, though. No, but you are a Scrooge, so you <laughs> hoard all your coal and don't share it yeah, with Yeah, I give you else. like one piece every week. Yeah. Here you go. Here's your piece of coal, lady. Put your coat on. Don't spend it all in one place. <laughs> don't burn it all at one time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Fuck you. I'm just going to go buy candles. <laughs> 
it'll be fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, like in Europe? Like, yeah. those candles will really keep you warm. All right. So the next thing we're going to talk about is strange creatures. Okay, I'm Christmas in. Christmas strange creatures. Finally. All right. So the first one we're going to talk about is called Shock-Headed Peter. Christids? Christmas tids? Christmas tids. Yeah, cryptid Christmas. <laughs> Christmas tids. <laughs> yeah, Chris tids is also weird. I don't think you can match those two words up. I don't think that's a thing. So, Shock-Headed Peter. This was a book originally created by psychiatrist and author Henrik Hoffman as a Christmas present for his son. Shock-Headed Peter sported huge, electrified hair and long, pointed, spike-like fingers, which would later go on to inspire the creation of Edward Scissorhands. Okay. But he wasn't a monster. Oh, Edward Scissorhands? Yeah. No, he, he was just nice. Wow. He was a little scary looking, but, you know, you know, sexy timber. And kind of <laughs> <way>. <laughs> All right, moving past Johnny Depp. He has no room in the story. Shock-headed Peter was mainly a kind of cautionary and bloodthirsty moralist tale. He stands by as children burn to death for neglecting fire safety, get their, <laughs> get their fingers severed with scissors for sucking their thumbs, <laughs> And waste away for refusing to eat their food. <laughs> and that's Sounds like Heinrich Hoffman had a normal child. Totally. Um, I I don't know how his child didn't end up messed up from now on. This kid's probably but blind, too. It has also been a play. I saw a playbill for it. So it there's been iterations of You know of what this. the modern version of this book is called? Huh. Karen. Karen? <laughs> she does look like a Karen. It says, wear your mask. And it's got Karen on her shirt. <laughs> Merry Christmas. So the next one we're going to talk about is Frau Perschta, which is a woman. Oh, I see that. Okay, that's a woman. But does she have intestines in her hand? Yeah, we'll get to that. Oh. <laughs> okay. She is a decomposed grinning Hannibal Lecter of Eastern Europe and is one of Christmas's most terrifying apparitions. Awesome. She resembles a kind of deranged, pieced-together goat person using various severed body parts. <laughs> she sometimes is also depicted as a hag with two faces. However, if you have been a good boy or girl, you have nothing to fear from her, but naughty little ones had best nail shut the windows and place a dresser in front of their door. <laughs> her way of dealing with rude, dishonest, bad children includes slitting open their bellies and removing their organs oh yeah and replacing them with pebbles and straw <laughs> that's just krampus that's horrible like that is like a really terrible thing to tell your kids is gonna happen to them yeah but think about it you're having the friends and the family over christmas eve you want to have a party mm -hmm. your kids will not stop pestering you <laughs> right them with this woman so you scare them so bad that they'll lock themselves in the room and won't let anyone in. <laughs> like and then that. you don't have to worry about them. This may be why we don't have children. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the purpose of this story. I think it is too. Or well, like We do have nieces and nephews we could try this on. <laughs> they're too smart now. They don't believe anything. Yeah, they don't. They they're feel, all nihilists. Yeah, they'd be like, yeah, right. 
I'm going to my room anyway because I don't want to deal with yeah, your, your stop ridiculousness. Talking you're embarrassing you're so me. God, you're embarrassing me. Have you seen this on TikTok? Have you seen this on YouTube? Stop talking to me. Do you like Legos? <laughs> stop it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I like Legos. Have you played Call of War 1453 Duty Booty on Xbox? Minecraft. PlayStation? <laughs> PlayStation. <laughs> I think you're right. I mean, this is probably just a way to get them to lock themselves yeah, in the room. I like that theory. I like, I wish we had, I wish my parents would have told me shit like that. Yes. I would have preferred that. I know. Like I said, I just don't think that Cole is much of a threat. So like if you make this threat, they're probably going to be way more scared. Yeah. Yeah. Santa isn't that scary of a person. Yeah, you need this when the Cole threat doesn't work. Right. I agree. When they're like, I don't care. I like Cole. I agree. Okay. So, if you wake up on Christmas morning and see intestines strung from the rafters <laughs> and tree instead of tinsel, chances are <laughs> you or some other unfortunate member of your family has been visited by Frau Pershta. So, I got one more creepy creature. Yes, creepy. Creepy, cre creepy Christmas Christmas creature. This is my least favorite ever. Elf on a shelf. <laughs> <laughs> Surface level, not that scary, but... Let's take a closer look at these mischievous little spots. Well, the Chucky elf on this shelf is scary with the paring knife in his hands. Yeah, I have a picture of an elf on a shelf up with a paring knife. <laughs> I wonder what your screams sound like. That's fucking scary. <laughs> oh my god. That's, that's really scary. Is your skin made of plastic like mine? Do you melt? I hate it. I hate everything about it. <laughs> so this tradition is based on the book The Elf on the Shelf, a Christmas tradition by Carol Aversold and Chanda Bell. So this is not an old tradition. I feel tradition. like this is a modern, this is a modern freaking thing. marketing scheme. Oh, it, it definitely is. We're going to talk about that. So oh, okay. hold. I, I'm, I'm guessing everybody listening has heard of Elf on the Shelf. Oh, everyone knows what Elf on the right. Shelf is. But um, if you don't have kids, you may not know exactly all the little details that you can and cannot do with the Elf on the Shelf. So Elf on the Shelf is basically the latest trick for parents to keep children well-behaved during the year and ahead of Christmas. The story goes that Santa sends out these little mildly creepy-looking helpers to all the households of the world to keep an eye on kids in the final days building up to Christmas. Each day, the elf appears in a different part of the house to monitor and report back to Santa in case the children are in fact misbehaving. Part of the tradition of Elf on the Shelf is that it pulls pranks and does silly things. However, despite the fun and mischief he provides, children are forbidden from touching him for if they do he will lose all of his magical powers and not be able to report back to santa but let's be honest if you're naughty that seems like a great idea because then he can't report back to santa yeah. but on the other hand it is fairly damning evidence that you were trying to get away with something santa finds one of his elves in a ditch face down <laughs> He's all with a paring all, knife in his back. He's like rotted green color. He got touched. <laughs> Don't touch my elf. What do you think they say when you touch him? No. That's, That's it. it. Yeah, just. But they don't die. They just 
what become lose their magic well they they don't move anymore yeah <laughs> oh they get frozen back into dolls <laughs> yeah oh. i think so i'm hmm. pretty sure that's you know i mean peace at last <laughs> <laughs> thank god merry christmas to all and to all the good nights <laughs> fuck you santa Best creepy elf voice I've ever heard. Oh my god. I'm elf on the shelf. <laughs> Say don't touch me. Say it. Ow. <laughs> okay, so. You know, I watch you when you sleep, right? That is exactly why this one is so creepy to me. This. This thing is supposed to be moving around at nighttime while you're sleeping, like doing weird things and watching you, and I really don't like it. Hey, quit picking your nose! <laughs> so, in general, I like the idea of scaring children into behaving, but if my parents had brought Nell from the shelf into our home as a child, I would have freaked out and demanded it be burned. See, here's the thing, when we were kids, the idea was that Santa just knew if you were good or bad. He didn't need little spies reporting back on you because he's magical and he just fucking knows. Right. And his list is magic and his list knows. So I just don't think that the elf is necessary, but Santa isn't like a creepy or mean enough character to keep the kitties under control. He doesn't have to be mean. He just gives you fucking coal if you're a piece of crap. But that doesn't work on everyone. You love coal. <laughs> <laughs> so that is not going to do okay, anything to you. Okay, but there's nothing that works on everyone. No, there's not. So, anyway, that is the end of the Christmas goodies stories that I have for you. Do you want to hear a story? Yeah. Oh my God. We're there. We're there this finally. A, I already heard like four stories. Well, I was trying to give you some Christmas fun. Oh. So today we're going to be discussing the disappearance of the Sauter children. So, warning, this episode does involve the possible deaths of children. So, if that is not your thing, you can feel free to skip this one. Giorgio Sudo was born in Tulsa, Sardinia, Italy. When Giorgio was 13, he and his brother immigrated to the United States. Shortly after getting to the U.S., his brother made the decision that he did not want to live here and promptly turned around and went back to Italy, leaving Giorgio alone at 13. Whoa. Upon entering the U.S., he Americanized, I don't know if that's a word, but I just made it up, his name, changing it to George Sodder. That's S-O-D-D-E-R, in case you want That's a weird name to pick. So he managed to find work for the Pennsylvania Railroad, working there for a couple of years before picking up and moving to West Virginia. While there, he found employment as a truck driver and eventually started his own trucking company. Mm. He was a haul truck driver moving coal and dirt. Jenny Cipriani immigrated to the U.S. at the age of three, and her parents owned a small store in West Virginia. Jenny would often be at the shop helping her parents. One day, George stopped at the store, and the two were immediately smitten with each other. Not when she was three and he was 13, though. It was, like, later. 
What, when she was 13 and he was like 26? No, I, I mean, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it could be. Uh, the, the, the years are unclear there, oh. the ages. They were later married and George's business began to grow fairly large. The Sodders were well known and liked by the community and their neighbors. George was also known for something else, however. He had very strong political opinions that he was not ashamed to express which he did frequently and without hesitation. His main topic of conversation was his extreme dislike for Benito Mussolini. Oh. And there's a picture of Mussolini, just in case you needed to look at him. Yeah, I know who he is. Okay. Once Mussolini was defeated and executed, George found that, that there was some unfriendliness amongst he and his neighbors because most of them were Italian immigrants. But he was too. He was too, but he did not like Mussolini and they did, apparently. Oh. So they were fascists and he was American. Something like that. Something like that. Because that's what, that's what Mussolini was, was an actual fascist. Like, that's what he said. I am a fascist. Right. The definition of my political views is fascism. Right. Defined by me, Mussolini. In the 20 years between 1923 and 1943, George and Jenny would have 10 children. They all um, look like Mussolini. <laughs> Boy, that's really weird. Uh, they had one son, their second oldest, that did not live with them. He was overseas serving in World War II. On an unremarkable day in October 1945, the Sodders received a knock at their door. George answered and was met with a man trying to sell him insurance. After chatting for a few minutes, George declined what the salesman was offering. This angered the salesman, and he told George that, quote, his house would go up in smoke and your children are going to be destroyed, and that, Quote, it would be due to the dirty remarks that you have been making about Mussolini. End quote. <laughs> so this is kind of like the mafia form of selling insurance. A little bit. So George <laughs> told the man to leave, obviously. And the man did, but only after that threat. I bet he said a few other things, too. Right. On another occasion, a gentleman came knocking, looking for jobs to do around the Sodder's property. He told George that his fuse box needed fixed and that he should pay him to do so. The man told him that if he did not fix it, it would catch fire. George thought this was silly because he had just paid an electrician to replace all of the wiring in their home as well as have the electric stove wired into their kitchen. Additionally, the electric company themselves had inspected all of the work and the fuse box signing off on the work. So, obviously, George knew this was BS. Mm. I don't like where this is going. As November gave way to December, the older Sodder children began to complain to their parents of a car with a man in it watching them and their younger siblings as they made their way home from school. George and Jenny made mental notes of these incidences, but ultimately nothing came of it. Finally, Christmas Day, 1945, had arrived. As oh, right George, the of the war. Yep. as George, John, 23, and George Jr., 16, were fast asleep in their beds, 
Jenny had made a deal with the younger Sauter kids that if they brought in the cows and finished up the chores with the chickens, they could stay up late. Jenny then took their two-year-old daughter and went to bed. Hours later, at 12.30 a.m., the phone rang. Jenny sleepily arose and picked up the phone. It ended up being a wrong number, but as she headed back to bed, she noticed that all of the downstairs lights were still on and the curtains were open. The front door was also unlocked. She saw that Marion, one of the children that was staying up, on the sofa in the living room sleeping and assumed that the other kids were upstairs in their beds. She closed the curtains, locked the door, and turned the lights out and returned to her room. A half an hour later, Jenny was again awoken by the sound of something hitting the roof of the house and then a rolling sound as the object rolled down the roof. Santa? She listened and heard no further sound and fell back asleep. I know, no investigation happening here. You look like you want to say something. It's a sound like this. You don't like where this going? No, I don't like the story. You don't? Well, I mean in like a... It's making me dread hearing the rest. Well, there was a there was a trigger warning. <laughs> I know. Ugh, sorry. She was again awoken, but this time there was a thick smell of smoke in the house. She jumped up suddenly, realizing the house was on fire, and noticed that it seemed to be emanating from George's office. She ran to the stairs and screamed frantically for the children to come down and exit the house. George Jr. and John came racing down the stairs. The fire was so overwhelming at this point that George, Jenny, John, Marion, who was 17, George Jr. and two-year-old Sylvia were forced into the yard to wait for the firefighters to show up, which Marion had ran to the neighbor's house to call. In complete dismay, they were unable to get to 14-year-old Maurice, Martha, who was 12, Lewis, who was nine, Jenny, who was eight, and Betty, who was five. George and the two eldest boys went to retrieve a ladder in an attempt to rescue the rest of the kids from the upper level of the now engulfed house. However, the ladder was missing from its usual spot on the side of the house. George hopped in his truck and attempted to move it under the window to gain access, but his truck would not start, and neither would the other truck that he had on the property. Neither truck would start. It was 8 a.m. by the time the fire squad got there, meanwhile leaving the rest of the family helpless to save the other half as the inferno brought the house to the ground. Oh, man. Yeah. So George uh, tells the officers that his ladder had been taken and that his two trucks had been in perfect running condition days before this. He was overcome with grief that he was unable to save his children. Upon sifting through the ashes of what was left of the solder home, the officers reported that they had found no evidence that there was anyone else in the house. No remains were found. The police chief inspected for a cause and concluded that it was faulty wiring that had caused the blaze. He told them that the bodies of the youngest five children had become completely incinerated. So he's saying that he suspects that they were just completely 
completely incinerated in the fire. I don't think that would happen. I agree. The Sodders found this very hard to believe, and it made no sense to them that there would be no trace of any of the bodies yeah, the left in the rubble. Yeah, the there's not a single one of the trace of one of them is like zero. Yeah. Five, five of them. Yeah. Right. You would find something. You would probably find all of them. At least I mean, pieces of all of them. Yes. bones or something. Yes. So doing her best to understand, Jenny called a local crematorium and asked how hot the fire would have to be to burn bone. The employee told her that even if the fire had burned 2,000 degrees for two hours, there would still be bones left. However, the firefighters did attest to the fact that the fire was still smoldering when they arrived at 8 a.m. So the fire did burn for much longer than two hours. Eventually, the alleged cause of the fire was changed from electrical to its origin being on the roof. Mm-hmm. They had also found Mr. Sauter's missing ladder about 75 feet away at the bottom of an embankment. Additionally, when the phone lines were inspected, it was found that the phone line had been cut, but not just cut. Whoever cut it shimmied up the pole and cut it from the top using a pulley stolen off of one of the other buildings on the property. The man was found that stole the pulley and shimmied up the pole, and he was questioned but says uh, he was cutting the power line and must have mistakenly cut the phone line and denies having any hand in the fire, which... I mean, what are you doing? Clearly, Why are you some, doing that anyway? This is gang activity. It sounds really shady, yeah, right? it's a gang of people. A fascists. Right. Yeah, it's like they all ganged up on him. Yeah. The authorities questioned many other people. One said that on the night of the fire, he saw people throwing fireballs at the house. And later, Sylvia, the youngest one, the I think she was a two-year-old, found a green round ball that appeared to have a twist cap on it. It was later identified as a hand grenade in the yard while huh. she was playing. Upon finding this out, Jenny realized that that must have been what she heard hit the roof and roll off. Oh, my gosh. Terrifying, right? So the Sodders in the following days enlisted the help of a private investigator. He found that the fire marshal claimed to have found remains in the house but did not tell the Sodders. Instead, he picked up the pieces of, trigger warning, intestines and placed them in a box and buried them on the property. What? Mm Mm-hmm. When the private investigator found the spot and dug up the box, he found that it contained a fresh cow liver that showed no signs of being in a fire. Oh, man. Weird. What a conspiracy. This, yeah, this is a, you're kind of riveted. No, like, you're not, chi- you're not chiming in a lot. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Continue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this is turning into, like, a full-blown conspiracy with officials and everything involved. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Against being told to leave the burn site untouched until further notice as it was a crime scene, George, in an emotional state, bulldozed the spot to erect a memorial for for his five children. So he bulldozed the whole thing and filled it, Mm -hmm. um, even though the police told him not to. So you're this is just a shit show of every on every side. I think so too. Yeah, yeah, it's just a mess. 
So years pass with nothing more being found. In 1949, it was decided that the site of the house would be searched again. Investigators dug uh, some holes and ended up finding some vertebra. They were sent away for testing and the report stated that the bones were indeed four lumbar vertebra belonging to one person, approximately 17 to 23 years old. This was too old to be one of the kids lost in the fire because the oldest was 14. So it didn't really line up with the kid that they would have done. But they were human vertebrae they found, but not one of the solder Well, kids. obviously these neighbors are like killing people, so. So not only that, um, those bones didn't show any signs of being in a fire. Yeah. So they couldn't have been. So um, the authorities concluded that the bones were most likely deposited with the fill dirt that George had brought in to backfill the hole. Yeah. But wouldn't that be a crime? Where'd the filter come from? Right? Wouldn't that be like a crime that you need to track down anyway? Apparently in the 40s in West Virginia, nothing was investigated. "Eh, (laughs) Whatever. Whatever. That's that's cool. Yeah. Now, uh, excuse me, Mr. Sauter, where did you get this dirt? Yeah. Who who sold you Who did you buy this from? Yes, that would be. These people reach a lot of dumb conclusions, these officials. Yes, I like the whole back and forth. Yes, yes, the remains were there. No, they weren't. Yes, they were. No, they weren't. Yes, they were, but we didn't tell you. No, they weren't. Uh, Yes, they were, but we put them in a box and buried them. Maybe either the county, maybe this is like the local police station versus the sheriff, or the sheriff versus the stadies. Yeah. That's why there's the this. No, this happened. No, this happened. Yeah. It's a whole lot of back and forth. Yeah. So George and Jenny were dedicated to finding out what happened to their missing children, as you would be, I would think, as they believed that they had not been in the house at the time of the fire. They kidnapped. They put up a they put up huge signs in town and offered a ten thousand dollar reward for information. Maybe they were kidnapped while they were doing the chores. You could be right. Um. So here's a picture of George and Johnny in front of uh, the billboards they had up in town, and they're huge billboards. Yeah. And they've got all five kids' pictures on it with the reward and kind of just a lot of information about it. There were many people claiming that they had seen the missing kids, and George traveled the country following up on these leads. Damn. This is a dedicated fellow. Um, he, I mean, by all accounts, he was just a wreck over losing, you know, five of his children, which seems... Excessive? Uh, no. <laughs> seems very typical. No, I mean, losing five children seems like an excessive yeah, number to lose. Yes, yes. Uh, it sounds yes. just horrible. I can't, I can't even imagine. To misplace. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I think I'd rather misplace my children than have them die, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I think both those things are equally as horrible. <laughs> but, okay, moving past yeah. that. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, he followed up leads all over the country um, that came in about these missing children of his. Um, He even noticed a girl in a magazine from New York that looked like Betty. He located the girl and her parents in Manhattan, but they refused to speak with him. Other sightings included Martha being in a convent and claims that the kids were living with distant relatives, none of which were ever proven. 
One of the more interesting claims is that of a woman who said that on the night of the fire, she saw the kids in a car heading away from the fire. And the next day, a waitress at a diner nearly an hour away claims to have fed the children breakfast. She also noted that the car they left in had a Florida license plates on it. Now, Jenny did have family in Florida, but why would her family take the children and set the house on fire? Well, there's lots of other people that live in Florida, too. Well, yes. It just was kind of a coincidence that Jenny happened to have family in Florida. So her family in Florida, they were questioned, but it was kind of a dead end. Like, they never, you know, they didn't find the kids. They found no... You know, proof of the kids being there. So a week after the fire, a woman claims to have seen the kids with two men and two women. All four looked Italian. The woman began to talk to one of the children, and one of the men became angry and kind of muscled everyone away from her. Mm-hmm. So she thought that was odd. In 1967, an envelope was received from Kentucky in which there was a picture of a man that looked like it could have been Lewis Sauter, only older. Yeah. There's a picture of him, and I will obviously put that up on Facebook. On the back of the picture, it read, Lewis Sauter. I love brother Frankie, little boys... A90132 or 35. The the two or the five, they couldn't tell which. It was kind of a scribbly two or five. So that's a little weird. What do the numbers mean? They don't know. They don't know what any of this means. And Lewis Sauter also didn't have a brother named Frankie. So Hmm. that's a little bit weird. Once again, the Sauters hired an investigator to go check out the man in the picture and see if he was indeed their lost son. I'd love to say that something came of this, but unfortunately, the Sodders were swindled and the PI ran off with their money and did not return, Mm. nor did he give them any information. This is crazy. It's terrible. It's terrible. I'm surprised this Sodder guy hasn't shot some people so far. (laughs) I know I would have. Or at least threatened them to get some At the very least. Yeah. So, again, now you know why I gave you fun stuff up front. (laughs) Oh, that was the fun part? The upfront stuff? Yeah. Because oh. this story is kind of de- Christmas depressing. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Why'd you do this to us? In 1969, George Sauter died, but Jenny and four of their children maintained the hunt for answers. Jenny passed away in 1989, and it was only then when the family agreed to take the billboards in town down for good. So they had that billboard up for 20 years? For a long wow. time until both George and Jenny years. had passed away. Yeah. So there's a lot to unpack here, right? That We're going to go into our theory section. Theories is kind of a little bigger than normal. Sometimes we have no theory section because <laughs> the story has been solved. But this one has never been solved. So we're going to start our theories with Kidnapped. One fact that had been discovered after the fire was that the cows and the chickens had not been attended to as Jenny had asked the children to do that Christmas Eve. Okay. This either means that they just didn't do it because they're kids and kids do stuff like that, or they were taken by someone before they got a chance to do the chores. Well, yeah. 
Well, there's like a grenade laying outside. The I house was set on fire. I mean, right. The ladder's gone. The cars are all disabled. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, they were kidnapped. There were people out there. Yeah. Well, that phone line was cut. The phone line was cut. Right. Somebody stole something off another building, so shimmied those up kids a pole, cut the phone line. walked out the door and got swooped up. Yeah. They were maybe going to attend to their chores. Like at the and very least, those people didn't want to be identified. Right. Because all the other kids that were already in the house yeah. and people were still there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So those I people agree. wouldn't want to be identified. So they took the kids. Now, did they kill them? We'll talk about that. But they took them. George also always maintained that the trucks had been tampered with and that the ladder was moved er either to prevent him from saving the children or had used the ladder to take the children. I think it was just, it was probably to set the fire. Get the grenade on the roof, maybe. Well, grenades won't start a fire, really. And she heard it roll off the roof. It didn't go off. It didn't go off. It was a dud. Right, right. So then after that happened, they thought, well, I guess we'll just start a fire. What about the weird premonitions by the salesman and the other guy wanting a job like to start the fire? I don't know. I think that's weird that that Sounds had like, been mentioned. It's like some kind of gang organized crime yeah. kind of thing. As far as kidnapping goes, then there's also the family in Florida scenario. To me, it's like, for what reason? Why would they only take the younger ones? And wouldn't the kids try to reach out eventually if they were with relatives? Well, if if that, was, that just doesn't make sense to me. Florida's a big state. Yeah. Just because there was a car with a Florida license plate doesn't right. mean it was a relative. That's why I'm saying this one yeah. doesn't make a whole lot of no. sense to me. Because if those kids were with aunts and uncles, they yeah. would have eventually reached out to their parents, you know. So the next one is under kidnapped still is um, kidnapped by the Italian mafia because of his dislike for Mussolini. But why would they Why would they even give a shit that much about George? Like, well, why? My guess is uh, if it was the mafia, George probably knows why it was them. And he's just not saying. I mean, maybe, but it He just... was in the trucking business in West Virginia in a very union-heavy place. He probably was involved somehow. In the mafia. Not necessarily in it, but... But maybe something happened know, and they had it out for he him. He had some involvement with them and maybe yeah. he uh, because pissed them off or whatever. Right. And I think that's kind of like the part that we don't know is like what really... Yeah, we don't know what... ...transpired there. Well, it was because I don't like Mussolini. Yeah. It's that, America. Like that's half a very, of all people don't like Mussolini. That's a very vanilla answer for what happened to your house. And I'm sure and plenty kids. of Italians didn't like Mussolini either. Right. Yeah. So, so that's just like a bullshit excuse. I think so too. That's what I, think. I don't know. Although you did think that there was a mob of people. Yeah. I mean, like neighbors and stuff. Yeah, so you think it was maybe just the people in the community that uh, were... I mean, maybe they know they know what's going on in the re- reality, you know? Like... People talk. People talk. They've all, they, they've all got brothers and sisters. Someone knows someone that's in the a gang or the mafia. Right. Or whatever. Yeah. You know? I don't know. And he was a businessman. He said he had a big business. Yeah. And he was trucking. Yeah. Right? Put two and two together. Mafia. What was he smuggling? <laughs> Who knows what he was doing? Yeah. I mean, he could have been doing le- legitimate business with someone in the mafia. They do that too. Yeah. And then he just fucked them over. Yeah, could be. And then they burn his house down. It could have nothing to do, do with Mussolini. Yeah. 
nothing. It could have zero absolutely to do. nothing to do with it. I feel like it probably doesn't have anything <laughs> to do with Mussolini, but whatever. All right, so the next theory that we're, I'm going to touch on very briefly because there's nothing really mentioned about the police or investigators looking into this, but could the kids have been murdered? There's no real evidence to suggest that anyone in the family had harmed the children and then started a fire to cover up the crime. But I thought I would cover all the bases yeah, and throw you that out there. Yeah, suspect the, those nearest, right? Right. I mean, and that's kind of, I, I thought everything I read, like, I didn't. When a married person dies, who's the number one suspect? It's always their the spouse. spouse. Always the spouse. So probably when kids die in a fire, I'm sure there's a suspicion of, like, parents. Right. And that's what kind of what I thought. So that's why I put that in there. But yeah. there was no real evidence to suggest that. And. The Sodders seemed really upset about it. I mean, the man spent the rest of his life hunting for his children. I would say that probably makes it very likely that they didn't do it. Yes, I would say not. Now, could it have been one of the older brothers? Maybe all the police, the local police at least, wanted to just make it go away. Right. If he was the one that did it, he would have just been like, oh, yeah, you're right. They just must have burned up. He would have let it go. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And probably moved and whatever, but... Yeah, I mean they they kept they stayed in this town yeah. and continued to look for their kids. So I'd say it's fairly likely that that was not not what the case, right? I agree. All right, so the next scenario is: could the kids have actually been burned in the fire and been in the house? So could the fi- five solder children simply have died in the fire? It is possible that someone set fire to the house as retaliation, and the kids perished. The firefighters claimed later that they did find remains of the children, but didn't tell George and Jenny. The firefighters were, however, volunteers and may not have recognized their remains in the ashes due to lack of training. I think it would have been obvious if they were there. <clears throat> I would think it's, so, too. I mean, a regular old wood fire. Yeah. Like, it does not... So this, real quick, this okay. was an entire house yeah. that burnt down, right? Like the entire thing was I gone. That. Um, so they only searched, they also only searched for a couple of hours after the flames had been put out, which I just don't think is long enough to search like a three-story sure. dilapidated home for, you well, know. My point is that a normal wood fire, even a really big one, it doesn't reach 1,700 degrees yeah. Not normally. I'm sure it can, right? but not really. Well, the crematorium lady that Jenny talked to said 2,000 degrees yeah. for two, two hours, there would still be pieces. So like 2,000 is extremely hot. Like if you put a piece of steel in the hottest fire you can build, yeah. not one that's got like a powered fan, but just regular old fire, it will get like at best dull red, mm-hmm. which is like a thousand degrees so half the temperature that you would need yeah the only way you can get it to melting is like on a blast furnace right which naturally i don't think would normally happen in a wood house so there would be bones there it wouldn't matter if that fire was going for eight hours i would think so i would think you would find something yeah especially i mean i'm sure i could look this up but i just feel like it's not even close to the range yeah that would cause all the bones to disappear right so it's very likely that they would be in there Right. And I would think, and, and, you know, unless they did find them and just didn't tell, but why wouldn't they tell the solders? Why would they let these poor people They're think lying. that their kids I, had been kidnapped? They would have just said that right away when they were yeah. shouting it out, like, oh, here, here they are. Yeah, we, we found them. Like, yeah. So I just think that that's. That's a weird. 
it is weird. I think it seems more likely that the kids disappeared, which seems weirder. Cause you, but the fact that the chores weren't done makes me think they left the house and didn't come back in the house, you know? I mean, but kids are kids, and yeah, sometimes the, they the, just don't do what they're told. So if they stayed in the house, then... There's people climbing on the roof and... Yes, it, it seemed like mayhem, which And is, none of the kids screamed or anything, and there's five of them. Like, one of them would have seen or heard well, something. Also, if there's all this weird yeah. shenanigans going on outside the house, how did how did how are George and Jenny just sleeping through this? Yeah. And why were they not, like, it's everybody get in the too. house, nobody go outside? Well, no one knew it was happening. That would be I guess the not. only way. I guess, but, like, drivers by said that they, they saw yeah, people throwing so fireballs odd. at the house. Like, that's very it's bizarre. a lot of confusion. This story is very confusing to me. It could be a lot of people like just, just saying stuff, stuff up. that they saw, that thought they saw. I think so too. You know, like which people added, who say aliens. I mean, we haven't touched on the aliens part of this yet. You want me to go there? Yeah. I'm lying. There's no aliens. No. <laughs> Sorry, no Christmas aliens for you. We had Christmas aliens last year. Did we? Christmas crop circles. Oh, no, the Warminster thing. Yeah. So here's my next question Do you. Knowing all that you know and have heard, do you think they survived the fire? The night? Yeah. Okay. After that, don't know. Okay. Who do you think started the house fire? Salesman, mafia, angry neighbors, the guy who wanted a job? What do you think? The kids? You think the kids started yeah, the fire? Yeah, they could have just said, screw this guy. They started the fire and ran off. What? <laughs> why would they Maybe do they that? they were running away. That would explain why they didn't. I mean, that is definitely a theory I they did could have not done that too. think of. Yeah, what if they accidentally set the house on fire and were like, shit, we're going to be in trouble, and they just ran away. Here's one last thing. On April 21st, 2021, last year, awesome. the youngest solder child, Sylvia, passed away at the age of 79. So the last solder family member just passed away the last year. The one that was not... The baby, the, the one fire. that found the grenade okay. in the yard. Yeah, the baby, okay. the two-year-old. So, so that yeah. doesn't mean these other five, some of them could be alive. I mean, possibly, like, the youngest one was five years well, old, five Betty. Of them could have. Well, Betty could still be. She was only five when she, they disappeared. Some people live till they're 95 years old. So she'd have only been three years older than Sylvia, yeah. so she'd be, like, 82 yeah. right now. So... Yes, but had they been kidnapped or whatever, they could have had their names changed. And I would think that any one of them, once they had gotten to a certain age, they would have, unless they were the ones that set the fire and ran away. Right. They would have eventually gotten on. I can old tell enough, that's your favorite theory. Old enough and independent enough to where they would have said, "Hey, yeah, I was. This is what happened." Yeah. And the fact that no one ever did kind of means means it probably didn't end well or they didn't come out of the situation alive yeah so i'm sorry i know this wasn't the happiest of christmas stories but it was a a christmas story yeah we hadn't done um kind of like a disappearance or a mystery thus far for christmas so well, we've um, only had one Christmas I, together. I know. This is all our second Christmas together. Yay. Yay. Second Christmas. <laughs> Merry well, Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Sorry for the depressing Christmas. <laughs> but it's Christmas and we're all miserable. <laughs> we hope that you all have a great Christmas. And um, 
How do you protect yourself against an elf on a shelf? How? What precautions must be made? Is this a joke or do, do you, you have, have the answer? Do you have to put like all the safety locks on all the drawers and dressers? Lock up your guns, put your knives away, uh, lock the garage door so that freaking they can't get to the gasoline can? Uh, I mean... You know, it would be easier just to lock them in the safe. It would be easier just to touch them. That's right. All you have to do is touch them to stop them. So. Yeah. Or my favorite, burn them. Uh, I would burn them. Yeah. Yeah. Burn it. That's not true. They're in our house. I've seen them. Uh, uh, we have generic elf on the shelves that I bought years ago. So those ones aren't really alive? I don't think. No? I don't know. I bought them for a window display when I owned a shop, when I owned a business years ago. And I did like a vintage Christmas window display and I had elves doing all kinds of weird things in the windows. So I still have like 15 elves. But yes, they're doing things in our dining room and they're, they're always in the same place when I get up in the morning. So that's good. Hey, kid. Fuck you. You want to say goodbye, elf? Bahumbuk. You want to say goodbye? Merry fucking Christmas, kid. <laughs> Bye. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. <laughs> so weirded out right now. Oh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>